0: Hello friends, it is good to be with you once again. Today is Wednesday, June 3rd, and as we step into the start of a new month and look back maybe a bit in reflection, it has been an all-around tough season, hasn't it? As I was doing my own thinking and reflecting, I was struck by the opening verses of Psalm 66 that say, Make a joyful shout to God all the earth, sing out the honor of His name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. See, I imagine that for varying reasons, you may be finding life kind of tough right now, too. Whether it be because of the seemingly endless nature of COVID, or listening in and watching world, national, and local news events and seeing these pictures of devastation or injustice or destruction... Or maybe the recent struggles that are faced within the midst of the Concordia family or things that are of very personal nature that hit close to home for you. With all that, maybe those words from Psalm 66 seem kind of hard to utter in the moment because they seem incongruent with life as it currently is and your current experiences. Over the next three weeks, we are going to look at the concept of joy and finding joy in the midst of the heart, in the face of opposition, in the midst of trials, and even in the midst of persecution. And so as we begin to prepare our hearts and our minds for this opportunity, let us pray. O oh God, by the patient endurance of your only begotten Son, you beat down the pride of the old enemy. Help us to treasure rightly in our hearts what our Lord has borne for our sakes, that after his example we may bear with patience those things that are adverse to us. Invigorate our time in your word today, that by your light and by your grace we may be renewed. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So today we are going to listen to a sermon by Professor Scott Ashman from 2017, again Finding Joy in Facing Opposition, and the text that he selected for this it comes from Ecclesiastes, the end of Ecclesiastes, beginning at chapter 11, verse 9, and this is what it says. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way, the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Here ends the reading. And so now let's listen in to Professor Scott Ashman.
1: Good morning. This is the launch of a sermon series uh, on joy, titled uh, Joy in the Face of Opposition. And so as I was thinking about what text would I want to preach on that talked about joy in the face of opposition, of course I could go to Paul and his imprisonment. But I'm an Old Testament guy, and Ecclesiastes really seem to be a place to start when you think about opposition and where to find joy in the face of it. So here we go. So where can joy be found? If life is a string of painful events, is there really any point in trying to seek joy? Uh, The admission that life is filled with opposition to joy is certainly not new. The first rule of Buddhism is that life is suffering. And the solution that Buddhism proposes is to eliminate one's desires by extinguishing one's very self. So the logic goes, if there is no self, there can be no unsatisfied longings and thus no suffering. But this approach is not very life-affirming. Rather, it nullifies life. The absence of suffering cannot be joy when there is no person left to enjoy anything. So how do you find joy in the face of opposition? I recommend that we listen to the preacher or the teacher, variously translated in Ecclesiastes. The preacher wanted to find joy in life, but as you heard, all he saw under the sun was vanity. The opening salvo of his text and the rather concluding remarks as well shout this loud and clear. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Another way of translating this is, all is meaningless. The Hebrew word for vanity or meaningless here is chebel, which literally means vapor. It doesn't happen often in Southern California, but when it's cold, you go out in the morning and you breathe and you see the vapor of your breath and it's gone. That's what we're talking about. As the preacher looks at life under the sun, all he sees is vapor. Everything is insubstantial, momentary, and fleeting. Nothing has gravity, nothing is permanent or eternal. The preacher searched life looking for what would give him lasting joy, and he did this in an honest sort of attempt. Instead, what he only found was opposition. While being led at all times, as he says, by the wisdom of his heart, and here we always need to understand that heart means mind, one's thoughts. So in other words, he's being led by a wise and sensible mind. The preacher then, in this fashion, went on to pursue whatever his mind led him to enjoy. He indulged, you know, sensibly in his passions, palate, pleasure, and laughter, but he found that these quickly faded and failed to bring him lasting joy. He accumulated many possessions and great wealth, but realized that these were meaningless too, since he couldn't take, him, take them with him in death. He pursued a life of the mind, wisdom itself, but found that lacking too. Not only did wisdom trouble him by revealing how meaningless life under the sun really is, it showed him that wise people die just like fools and dogs. The preacher also pursued righteousness, but saw how senseless this was as wicked people prospered while righteous people suffered. In the end, he says, I'll die and return to the dust no matter who they are or what they do. Everything is meaningless, life is vapor, joy is a mirage in an endless desert of futility. Now, this is enough to make anyone deathly depressed, right? But the preacher was not the only one to ponder this. Uh, Such futility is nicely captured in an ancient Babylonian text called the Dialogue of Pessimism. That's our title given to it, not theirs. In this text, the master offers up many ways that he could gain lasting honor and joy. In each case, his servant shows how vain the venture is. For instance, the master exclaims that he wants to do a good deed for his country. The servant quickly undermines this by saying, go up on the ancient heaps and walk around and look at the skulls of the lowly and the great. Which was the doer of evil and which was the doer of good deeds? The dialogue ends with the master asking, what then is good? Sounds like he was in a Q&I class. To which the servant says, to break my neck and your neck and throw us into the river, this is good. In other words, since life is futile and ends in death, you might as well end it now. As with Buddhism, the ancient Babylonians saw insurmountable opposition to joy in life, and they both offered the same basic solution, extinguishing one's life to escape suffering. But as said before, surrendering to nothingness and death cannot bring joy since there's no self left to enjoy life. So where can joy be found? A key phrase that unlocks this answer in Ecclesiastes is under the sun. When the preacher was looking for joy, he intentionally did so like the neighboring nations, looking at things from a view under the sun. He looked at life from the view of gods who are remote, care nothing for humanity, and made life unjust and destined for death at the start. He also looked at life from the position of people who idolize finite pleasures and foolishly try to find eternal joy in them. Now this wisdom experiment could only end badly and that's probably the point. Viewing life under the sun really makes life meaningless. So how can one possibly find lasting joy and wealth? We know that it can disappear in a minute. The same is true of pleasure, passion, humor, knowledge, and even our moral integrity. None of these finite things can be a foundation for lasting joy, so why do we trust them as deities who dispense eternal joy? Repeatedly, the preacher demonstrates this point and tries to turn our attention upward to God, to a view of life above the sun. Here is where joy is found. With life grounded in the eternal creator, the same finite objects that we found lacking meaning before are now gifted back to us with proper joy. No longer do we foolishly worship wealth, possessions, pleasure, food, wine, work, spouse, or clothes as as if they were gods to give lasting joy and then become deathly depressed when they naturally fade in time. Rather, seeing them as temporary pleasures that are gifted to us by God, we can finally enjoy them for what they were created to be. We find proper, temporary joy in the gifts that God gives us for the duration that God gives them. So what about death, right? The great leveler and the final foe of joy. The preacher points us to God as the judge who gives everyone their just recompense. And that's how the text really ends, remember your creator. Now on the one hand, this gives us a measure of joy in the face of absolute nihilism, like nothing matters. Since God is the judge and the one who will judge us for who we are and what we do, we know that all of our actions really have eternal gravity. There's a measure of joy in that. On the other hand, this should not give any of us real hope, in the sense that we are righteous and deserve eternal joy. The preacher clearly talks about this in chapter 7. Surely there is not one righteous person on earth who does good and never sins. So, be warned. And that includes you and that includes me. So, our wickedness opposes our entrance to eternal joy. So, do we just end up in the same place after all? That we're all deathly depressed? No. No. Here we must turn to other texts in Scripture that further reveal God is also our merciful Redeemer, the one who delivers us from death to life everlasting because of the Son, that is, because of God's Son, Jesus Christ. God indeed judges us, but for those with faith in Christ, God graciously judges us based on the complete righteousness that Christ lived for me and for you and for everybody. Because of the Son, God sees us as completely righteous and grants us entrance to eternal joy and everlasting life. So look for lasting joy, but not under the sun in fleeting pleasures as if they were enduring, but look above the sun and because of the sun. Look to God who daily gives us the gifts that we need when we need them to enjoy them. And look to God's son whose merits make us righteous to receive eternal joy. In his name, amen.
0: Let us pray. Almighty God, help us to put the things of this world in their proper place in our lives. Instead of elevating them to such heights that they could never deliver on the joy that we hope they could bring. But help us to receive every blessing with the joy that knows that they come from your grace, mercy, and love for us. In all things, help us to look to your Son, the only source of lasting joy, eternal joy. And may that joy work in us each day in the midst of all circumstances. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Today we will conclude with singing a hymn together. You can find a link to a PDF of the lyrics with this podcast. So feel free to pause here, open that now, and then join in singing the hymn, Lord Dismiss Us With Your Blessing. And now receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. Amen. I look forward to being with you again next week as we continue to walk through this series on finding joy.